say about marriage. Matthew chapter 19. It's on page 696. The first reason why marriages are collapsing today, if you remember, is because the marriage bed is being defiled. Number two, we're going to find the second reason. And that's sin, or as God calls it, hardness of heart. That it's because of our own sinfulness, our own hardness of our hearts, that marriages are collapsing. Chapter 19, verse 8. Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. The statistics are staggering at how many divorce and remarriages there are. And yet have we ever come to grips with what God says that if we divorce and remarry, we are committing adultery? Or do we just say, look, that's just the way it is, and that's how society is, and we go on. And God doesn't go on. God says, let's face it. Let's come to grips with it. And let's talk about it. Jesus said this, too. This is very convicting. Uh, this is in Matthew 5. You've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. Anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. I mean, we've got, in America today, we've got a sexuality issue that's really, I think, plummeting our whole society. Do you realize that one million people are going to get divorced this year? One million. Imagine the heartache. And when I began to research the effects on the kids, you've heard some of this. Let me just walk you through this. Kids become victims of abuse. Crime goes up. Drugs goes up. Suicides go up, addictions, and what's, what, what was interesting about addictions is 30 years after a divorce for a child, after a child experiences their parents going through a divorce, 30 years later, they're, the, they're most prone to addictions. They perform poorly in math, reading, and spelling. There's higher dropout rates in high school and college. They become the economically poor in America and this one was staggering, 25% of all women, because of the statistics of how many get divorced, 25% of all women will wind up in poverty because they'll get married and get divorced. And those that get divorced will be plummeted right into poverty. And I found this interesting. Do you know that every year our federal government actually does spend money to help marriages stay together? $150 million dollars. If we would break that down, what it means is that our government spends $285 every minute to help keep marriages together. But are you ready for this? We spend $285,000 a minute to subsidize single parents. It's kind of interesting. If we would spend more to keep marriages together, it would save so much more. But honestly, everything that I read, don't know what to do at a federal level. How do we help marriages? But we just know that marriages are in trouble. The other thing that I learned, which was really interesting, when you start reading the government bring these statistics, that when parents go through a divorce, one thing that drops off significantly 
is their worship attendance. I found that one interesting. You've heard me talk about my heart goes out for kids because kids are leaving in droves today. And I found out one of the key reasons why. So when parents take their marriage lightly, I mean, sometimes I understand how marriages can get. I, I mean, I've met with over 700 marriages. I understand. But sometimes when marriages dissolve, we don't realize what we're doing to our kids. Do you know the number one indicator, according to what I was researching, the number one indicator of marriages that stay together today is if the parents are still together. The original parents are still together. It's the number one indicator. The number two indicator is the faith of that child. When we talk about our faith circle, that we need the faith circle to start growing, it's not only for their benefit that they grow, but it also directly affects their marriage in the future. That if they have a strong faith, it's also the leading indicator of, of teens that are less apt to be sexually active is dependent upon their faith and dependent upon their parents. Now, I'm not trying to add guilt. I know some of you have gone through divorce. You've gone through your marriage. I understand. I'm not adding guilt. But I think we need to come to grips with it and say, so what do I do with this, God? What am I supposed to do? Let's go back to this. There was one thing that God said to us. If he summarized all of the commandments, the first summary was, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Are you working to love the Lord your God with everything in you? That's the most important. Now, if you got Matthew open, I want you to go back to verse 4. Jesus said this. Haven't you read, he replied... That at the beginning, the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, don't miss this, what God has joined together, let man not separate. I hear so often that marriage is nothing but a piece of paper. That's not what we just read. Who joins you together when you get married? God does. It's not a piece of paper. It's when you present yourself before God and God joins your hearts together and God makes you one. If you want some good reading, go back and look at Malachi chapter 2. Because God talks about marriage in there and what's going on in marriage. But God's very emphatic about, it's, it says that God makes us one. God does that. And so what we have in our country right now is we just have freely, people are just expressing sexuality, going into living together, getting married, getting divorced, struggling through all these. And the effect on our society is huge. Now I ask you to turn back to uh, 1 Corinthians. Turn back there one more time. There's a third reason I believe marriages are collapsing today. Chapter 6, find verse 15. 
Just read the first four words with me, would you? Do you not know? Now you can read the rest. I believe that marriages today are collapsing because people don't know how to be married. It's why we do the Building Healthy Marriages class here. Because couples don't know how to be married. And if we would just turn the clock back a little bit and we would do it God's way, if we would stay pure, keep the marriage bed undefiled, love the Lord our God so that our hearts don't become hardened, and if we would learn how to build our marriage, we'll be in a different place. And that's what God wants us to know today. It doesn't have to be the way it is right now in your life. And that God really desires desires for it to be different for each one of us. Start turning over to John chapter 8, would you? John 8. It's on page 757. Here's what I want to recommend to you. Please, take this to heart, okay? If you're single, stay pure. Don't defile that marriage bed before you get married. If you have already, then today I'm going to encourage you when you come up for communion that you, you say to God, I'm sorry. I need your forgiveness. I don't want to keep living this way. Forgive me. And then stay pure. If you're married and before you got married, you defiled the marriage bed with your spouse or with someone else when you come up today, would you lay that at the foot of the cross? And would you say, God, forgive us or forgive me and lay it here? We call that repentance. Then, honor your spouse. Don't defile the marriage bed again. Then three, start building up your marriage. Take it to heart. Start building your marriage. Do everything you can to take advantage of what's here to build up your marriage. If you're divorced, let me encourage you this morning when you come up for communion that you would say to God, I'm sorry. And maybe it goes back to maybe the marriage bed was defiled. And you got married and you got divorced. Come up here and lay this before God and just say, I'm sorry, God. Forgive me. I'm sorry. I know it wasn't in your will. It wasn't in your plan. It happened. I'm sorry. And then keep that marriage bed pure from here on out. If you're remarried, let me encourage you. Come before God and say, you know what, God? I'm sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me that the marriage bed got defiled. Forgive me for my divorce. Maybe forgive me for defiling the marriage bed again and for getting remarried. Forgive me. And trust me on this. God is going to forgive you. But then don't defile the marriage bed and work to build your marriage. I want to take you to John chapter 8 because it's a great story about grace and God. Chapter 8, verse 3. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman that was caught in the act of adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Did you know that that's what God said to do? Actually, in the Old Testament, if you were caught sleeping together with somebody outside of marriage, 
God said, you are to take that couple, you are to stone them, and you are to rid Israel of the guilt of sexual sins. On the spot, that's what God wanted. God shows grace, and he shows grace to this woman. Now they ask, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Jesus bent down, started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, if any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the women still standing there. I think you understand why. How many of us sitting here is without sin? Anybody ready to throw the first stone? I don't think so. See, this morning, it's not in judgment that we come. It's coming seeking God's grace and forgiveness. And every one of us has something that we need to lay before God. And that's what God wants us to do today, to come to grips with it and lay it down at his feet. Verse 10, I love this. This is the greatest news. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Say the rest with me. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. I don't think there's any greater news. See, no matter where you are, friends, right now, no matter where you are, God just wants to confront you and say, let's come to grips with where you are. And he's going to, in love and in grace and in forgiveness, he's going to meet you right where you are. And when you leave here today, you'll leave changed. You know why? Because God will completely forgive you. Everything that's happened up to this point, God says, let's lay that to rest. You're forgiven. Don't beat yourself up anymore. You're not under judgment. You're not under punishment. You're not under discipline. You're under grace. Paul said it this way, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Friends, you're covered in God's grace. And I encourage you this morning to come before your Father and lay it right here. Just lay it all on the line. And don't leave here today with that same sin. Leave it here. And go out and celebrate that you can truly go forgiven by God himself. Let's pray together. Okay, God, this was really convicting for every one of us. Father, we pray that you would forgive us. We're unworthy of your forgiveness, God. But this morning we come before you seeking your forgiveness for all the sins of the past. And we ask this morning that as we lay this at your feet that you would receive that sin and forgive us, cleanse us, from all unrighteousness. We want to be pure in your eyes, God. But we know what we've done. So we come to grips with what we've done and we lay it at your feet, trusting that you love us and you forgave us. 
which is why you died for us on the cross. And we receive that forgiveness that you offered to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.